On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap year three of Vanderbilt basketball under Coach Stackhouse. We give out awards such as the MVP, Most Improved Player, the Sixth Man of the Year, and Newcomer of the Year. And we also look ahead to the outlook of next season with some talented young freshmen coming in. We've got all that and much more coming right up on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening. To the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who bleed black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 155. It is March 28th, 2022. We are powered by Alaco Finewood Floors. And, well, basketball season is officially over. We have entered the dog days, I guess. we still got baseball. We're not quite to the, uh, the full-on dog days of summer yet. Still got some baseball to talk about. But the main reason we're, we're here today for this episode is a complete recap of the Vanderbilt men's basketball season. We're going to dive deep into every single aspect. We're going to give out some TDR awards to the most valuable player, the most improved player, the sixth man of the year, newcomer of the year. Well, I think Vanderbilt fans should be excited for this one. Uh, we haven't gotten together in almost a week now, but uh, it's time to hand out some awards. Uh, you ready to go? I'm ready to rock, Billy. I've got a lot. I've got a lot. We didn't uh, get to do a recap recap after that Xavier game, yes. that Xavier loss. So we're going to get back on the two-a-week schedule at some point. We, it's been a pretty chaotic, I would say, last brutal. two to three weeks for, for both of us. Usually it's one or the other. It's, it's more chaotic yeah. for but we'll be fully moved on to the Vandy boys in baseball pretty much after this episode. We will touch on anything, any news in basketball or football at that point, but it'll be Vandy baseball from here on out. Fortunately for Vanderbilt fans that usually extends into June and gives us a little bit of something to watch in the dog days of summer. But hopefully the Vandy boys can make that happen, Billy, because we're looking at a long dead span yeah. in the sports calendar aren't we it, it also it also forces you will to dive deep into, into the vanny boys and actually uh, invest all your time into them so uh, <laughs> that's always a that's always a good sign but will before we get to the breaking news don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcast and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and review on itunes All right, let's get to the full season recap. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's get into it. And uh, for the listeners, bear with me here. Don't have my mic with me today, but uh, we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, it was uh, stolen from the studio, but we'll have it back uh, here sh- uh, sooner rather than later. But Yeah, me and Billy are actually recording. I'm holding one tin can. Billy's holding the other <laughs> tin can, and there's a string in between Nashville and Florida here that's, for that's it. That's what so. we're doing. That's how we're doing. That's how we're rolling today here on the door report. But, well, let's get into it. We, we've got some awards to hand out before we dive into uh, some of the improvements that this team made this year and also some of the areas they need to improve on and then kind of an outlook for next season with a lot of shuffling going on. And that's already happened with, uh, I think we've had four transfers already. Who knows? There might be another one. I think for Stackhouse, he, he would like to, to see that may, that number maybe stop right now, but we'll get into all that and, and much more. And even some of the freshmen, uh, some of their expectations coming into next season, but well, let's get into it. We're going to start with the MVP of the season this year for Vanderbilt men's basketball. And I, I thought about this one, not, not super long. I thought about a lot of the other ones a little bit longer than this one. And I don't think we're going to disagree with this. My MVP this year is Scotty Pippen jr. I mean, the guy, what? He, he, no, he, he did everything. Well, 20 points per game, nearly five assists per game, four rebounds, two steals led the team in, in steals. And I think, well, his defensive improvement this season is what I looked at with him. Obviously, we knew he was going to come in and score, but I think Scottie Pippen turned himself into a, a lot better defender this season. And, you know, we knew he would improve as a scorer and likely as a three-point shooter. I think he himself would have liked his free throw percentage to maybe be up a few notches there. But, again, I still think there's a slim chance he comes back next season, very slim. And I think Vanderbilt fans are still kind of waiting, you know, waiting to, to hear from him on that. Uh, but, Will, it's undisputable. Uh, he was the most valuable player on this team. And, you know, he wasn't injured. I think that's kind of a, a, an improvement from the curse of Kevin Stallings. Scotty Pippen didn't go down uh, much this year. But, you know, whenever he wasn't in the game, it, it seemed like a lot of times this offense was trying to search for ways to go and, and where do they go. And I think Jordan Wright turned into that second score. But, I mean, Will, he was more active on defense this year, and he was still the scorer that we that we knew he was and, and that he could that he could be. And his draft stock, I think, improved a little bit. But I, we're still looking at him saying, hey, is is this guy a first round pick? I don't think so. Is, is he even an NBA player at this point? I think some people say, you know, he could be on the bench for an NBA, for an NBA team right now. But we're going to have to see. We're going to have to wait and see on that, Will. But my MVP this year Scotty Pippen Jr. I, I just I couldn't pick anyone else. Uh, you could uh, you could argue the ghost of Kevin Stallings this season was was the uh, kind of the MVP, the Achilles heel for Vanderbilt. But 
Uh, well, I'm going to go with Scotty Pippa Jr. to the surprise uh, of absolutely no one. I won't build up any anticipation <laughs> for who my MVP is going to be either, and that will be Scotty Pippen Jr. The other awards that you listed will have some very interesting names on them, yep. and how we define who is a sixth man and reserve and everything like that is going That's to be, be interesting as well year. because you had so many different starting lineups due to injury. Who do you yeah. define as coming off of the bench, really? So we'll see if we decide on that. But Scotty Pippen Jr., obviously, he was number one in the country at the end of the season or close to the end of the season, pretty much, in fouls drawn per 40 minutes. He was, I believe, 33rd in the country in assist rate. He was... Ooh. 48th in free throw rate he was 102nd nationally in steal percentage so that's percentage of possessions let me actually pull up that formula because that's one i didn't know so steal percentage is calculated as steals divided by percentage of minutes times team possessions so basically how many possessions when he's on the court does he get a steal 3.4 percent so um i basically is that's how i'm evaluating it so he improved every aspect of his game except really billy the things that were a negative in his draft stock. He mm-hmm. improved in his defense, which was a negative, but that wasn't the main negative. The two main things for Scottie Pippen Jr. and improving his draft stock were his shooting consistency, not just his ability, his final end of the year stats or whatever that is going to be when we do that actual full recap of player stats, but is he consistently able to knock down that shot? I don't think he proved that this season. And is he able to avoid those turnovers that are going to be costly if he wants to play the point guard position in the NBA, which is really the only thing that he can play at his six foot two size. Right. So Scotty Pippen Jr., you set a slim chance of him coming back this upcoming season, and we'll get to the outlook of, of mm-hmm. what we've got after this. But I think it's a lot more than a slim chance. I've been on this train from the beginning. We can go back and listen to before this season. I said it's really, really doubtful to me looking at this roster that the things that Scotty Pippen Jr. needs to improve he's actually going to be able to improve just when you look at the talent around him and what NBA teams are looking for out of him. So I think the appeal of coming back to a more talented roster is a huge appeal to Scottie Pippen Jr. for A, winning. But I think mostly that's going to be associated with his ultimate goal, which is playing in the NBA. And with a more talented roster around him, playing in the NBA is a real goal. And being that first round pick is a real possibility if he comes back next season. Now, if he wants to do that in another year, that's going to impact his draft stock as well because he'll be older. So there's a lot of variable decisions. But if his ultimate goal is not to be a mid-second round pick, which is what he came back to college for from the evaluation, which is what he came back from last year, which is a mid-second round pick evaluation from the NBA draft scouts, that's what he's going to get this year as well. So if he came back, I don't see what has really, really changed as to why he wouldn't come back this year. So with the look of this roster, who's transferring out, the number of scholarships available, Billy, it's all setting up for some pretty big news that maybe Scottie Pippen Jr. will be returning, and you combine him with that class, Billy. Oh, my goodness. That, that would be some big news, Will. That, that, that'd be that'd be one of the, I think, happier days for Vanderbilt fans in a long time, especially on the basketball side of things. But, Will, Coach Stackhouse, he was on News Channel 5 a couple nights ago, and he said he, he loves Vanderbilt. He, he, he's doing well in class. He, he likes the campus. He likes the city. And you know, Stackhouse would seem you know. to be kind of pointing that direction. So you know, we'll, we'll and Scotty Pippen we'll Jr., you'll be uh, you'll be over 21 years old the entirety of yep, uh, next yep. year. Not like you had any trouble getting in bars before, as Scotty Pippen Jr. in downtown Nashville. But just an added little I appeal. It, I, I think you'll do all right. I, I would say there wouldn't be a better city to be an no, over 21 no, year no. old college star no. than Nashville, Tennessee, playing playing for yeah. Vanderbilt. So I mean, Scotty, that's that's something to think about as well. 
Yeah, five, 10 minute drive from Broadway, I think right there. It's getting a little bit longer with all the traffic down there. But well, I think Stackhouse also said he's got a, a truck just like him. So he's not well, he's not worried about money either. So who knows? Who knows? We, we were we're going to continue to monitor that. But Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, shocker there. He is our MVP. Uh, That's why season. you hit on it right there, Billy. That's sorry. Before we move on to our next award, that's the big thing with this whole decision with Scottie Pippen Jr. Is money is not any way it's is not weighing into this not decision problem. for him, yeah. and that's different than almost literally every other college athlete out there. I mean, yeah. even the ones that are not like doing this to provide for their family, it's still their parents are not rich i mean going to the nfl or nba would be a massive step forward in, yeah. in life for them and their family that's not the case for for scotty pippen so mm -hmm. you have an interesting thing which is really he's just making a decision what does he want to do and what's best for his personal career because he doesn't have the obligations that other guys do have uh, yeah. making that decision. Yeah, I saw some rumors, Will, on Twitter from a couple of Vandy fans about him maybe uh, getting getting some looks from UCLA or Kentucky. And I, I, I looked at that and just kind of laughed. I would get like, why, why would he ever leave Vandy at this point? Uh, I just if he goes back to college, well. there's no way he he's, is transferring. He's, not, no he's not transferring. No no way. But not after what he saw happen to Dylan DeSue, especially. Oh, yeah. And, and, and Will, what about DeSue? I mean, it, it, he's got to be looking at it now. It, I, I doubt he, he comes back to Vandy, but that's another, uh, maybe another uh, opportunity to look at for Dylan DeSue. And, and maybe uh, maybe if, if he is willing to come back to Nashville. So a lot a lot is still on the table. There's still a lot to happen with his Vanderbilt basketball team. And I know we've been trying to get some steam for the Cambridge brothers and maybe them coming back to Nashville. Uh, maybe one, maybe two, maybe none of them come, but there's still a lot to happen uh, with this Vanderbilt offseason, Will. But let's continue here, Will, with, the most improved player, most improved. You texted toughest me. Toughest award of the year. Yeah, tough award. I had to think about this one actually a lot. There were several guys that improved a lot. Guys like Jordan Wright, I thought, made a big step. I thought Miles Studi made a big leap. I thought Tyron Lawrence made a leap as well. Um, but, Will, I ended up going with Quentin Melora Brown as the most improved player uh, it, the stats don't pop off the sheet to you. Five points a game, six rebounds a game. But the stat that does pop off the sheet to me, Will, is his field goal percentage. He was very, very efficient, 65% uh, from the field. And I know he didn't take as many shots as, as the other Vanderbilt players did, but that's still a great percentage no matter how many shots you're putting up. And down the stretch, Will, he was more of an offensive threat than I expected him to be originally. I mean, him, him with Scottie Pippen Jr., in that pick and roll several times, it seemed like Scotty would get inside the lane, get in the paint and he would, he would find Q somewhere. He would find him in the paint and Q would throw up a floater or, or make a, a tough layup. And, and it seems like he just made the plays that, that this team needed. He would save one, the big save he made against Dayton, I thought was, was crucial. And the guy is just, the guy's easy to root for. The guy is just so easy to root for. Uh, Coach Stackhouse has called him the glue guy of this team. I never really thought of him being the glue, but I mean, thinking about it again, he he is he was the glue of this team. Will heart and soul of the team. Whenever they needed to pick me up, he was there to make the play. Now it wasn't always a bucket. It wasn't always a, a layup or a, a jump shot. Definitely not a three from QMB. I think that might be in his arsenal. But whenever they needed a defensive stop, I mean, Will also charges. This guy was a charge drawing machine. 
this season. And, and so to see that from QMB this year was, was really encouraging. And I think Vanderbilt fans really grew accustomed to loving this guy. I mean, the ovation, the ovation he got uh, running off the floor after his fifth foul against Dayton said everything about the fans and, and their support of Quentin Malora Brown. So I thought about it a lot. Well, I was thinking Jordan Wright. I was also thinking Miles Studi for this one, but I had to go with Quentin Malore Brown simply because of his production this season when this team needed it. I know the stats don't pop out to you, but Quentin Malore Brown is my most improved player. I mean, QMB, who expected this type of season? Because I know I didn't from him. Thank God that you went with QMB there because you actually listed off Jordan Wright and QMB as the two guys to be making the difficult decision on. And I don't think that Jordan Wright was really in this running whatsoever because in actuality i think in it overall i think jordan wright's overall season was pretty disappointing i I think he didn't take the step forward that we thought he was going to take i think if he did improve definitely he definitely improved from last season that's not what i'm saying but we were expecting a 50 to 60 percent increase in production and we got a 20 to 30 percent increase in production so that's that's why i didn't put him in that conversation because he definitely improved and he may and he was a very improved player but the expectations of improvement he really didn't get there so hopefully he can figure it all out because he did lose all that weight in the offseason he had shooting consistency issues that probably contributed to that so hopefully the shooting can get a little bit back more on track like it did late in the year maybe maybe try to bulk up a little bit more instead of lose weight maybe that i mean he's he's pretty bulky i think he's good where he is he's he's at about the ideal i I mean if you could design an nba player on 2k that would be jordan right it's like six five six six i mean yes great great job by jordan wright now just time to get in the gym get shots up and adjust to that difference but mine is easy i at once i actually sat down and thought about it qmb was definitely close just because i like him he improved so much the difference in the performance of my most improved player which is miles studi from last year to this year is game changing miles studi you can i i think the two guys that contributed most I don't want to say that because that we we I don't want to get into any of that. But <laughs> Miles Studi from last season, so his, his offensive rating, so basically just his overall offensive performance, he was nationally ranked this year top top 100 players in the country. He had a 120.8 offensive rating this this season in 2022, 90th in the country. Last year he had a 91 offensive rating. This season he shot over 43 percent from the three point line. Whew. Last season he shot 28.6 percent. And also in wow. conference play last season, he shot 25.6% from the three-point line last season in conference play. This year, he shot almost 43%, 42.9% wow. again. Wow. He still has work to do on the defensive side of the ball. He still has work to do as far as other aspects of his game driving. Yeah. Because his overall field goal attempts, let me get that pulled up, because his overall field goal attempts were pretty mind-boggling when you get to the amount of shots that he took behind the three-point line compared to normal field goal attempts. So I think I've got it right here. Uh, he shot this season, if I can find it anywhere on here, Billy. <laughs> he shot 183 threes this season, and he hit 79 of them, 43.2%, wow. leading the team outside of Shane Dizoni, who only shot 25 overall threes so that doesn't really count doesn't into really that count. at all but miles studi shot 131 three-point attempts right he shot 228 oh no he shot oh that was wrong yeah oh here we cut go. that out we no go. he shot 183 three-point attempts that part of what i just said was correct but he only <laughs> shot 221 overall shot attempts. gotcha gotcha 
though he didn't even shoot 40 shots inside the three-point line, but he shot so the 183 only, the only shots, shots he was outshot. taking was three-point attempts. Is basically and some what? of the, basically, and I stumbled through and I was reading off Jordan Wright's field goal attempts, which is why that was messed <laughs> up. So whatever, hopefully that made sense. If it didn't, it, it I apologize. Basically, sense. he shot a lot of threes and he shot a way higher percentage this year. That is why Miles Studi is my most improved player. There also, it is. just in percentage of possessions used. And that's an interesting stat that they have on Ken Paul. It's one of my favorite ones because we always talked about minutes. People always talk about minutes mm -hmm. played by guys. And that doesn't really matter that much. I mean, minutes played does matter. I don't want to say that because mm -hmm. just having the effect of a shooter like Miles Studi shooting over 43% from the three-point line is going to make the defense come out of that paint, open up driving lanes for pick and roll between Scottie Pippen Jr., Liam Robbins, and QMB. But Miles Studi was utilized the same percentage of possessions when he was on the floor as Shane Dizoni on the offensive end of the court. Wow. That, that's, he was that's not utilized. There were times, Billy, I mean, because he was third on the team in minutes this season. So he was right behind Scottie Pippen Jr., obviously number one. You can guess who number two is, Jordan Wright. Number three in minutes per game this season was Miles Studi. Uh, let me actually confirm that before I just go out and say it. Uh, <laughs> yes, I believe he was third Correct. on the minutes or third in, in, most, of the, in, in yeah. most of the starting lineups, especially late in the season. His minutes increased. His usage rate did not really increase. There were times this, that Stack and this team were just not getting him the ball, and he is a game changer. Mm -hmm. If you have a guy shooting over that 40% mark from the three-point line, that's a weapon. And Vanderbilt really didn't utilize him enough, especially in late game stretches against talented teams, which is a lot of the time why they had trouble closing out games. You had Rodney Chapman shooting threes. You had Trey Thomas shooting threes. You had, hell, Scottie Pippen Jr. shooting threes. Jordan Wright, anyone but the guy that's leading the team and one of the top shooters in the nation in three-point percentage. And I don't understand it, Billy. So yeah. next season, even with this talented class coming in, you've got to get him more shots because at that percentage, that's that that's a game changer that Vanderbilt just hasn't had in a really long yeah. time. And, you know, you mentioned getting him more shots. I think an improvement for Miles Studi in his game would be improving off the dribble. You know, we saw a guy like Matthew Fisher Davis, who mm -hmm. in most of his career, he was able to take the ball at the top of the key, make a move, step back and hit a three off a dribble. And, a you know, I, yeah, I, a consistent one dribble pull up of any yeah. kind because really yeah. he's just very one-dimensional right now yeah you know he was a guy that catch that it caught most of his ball his passes off the catch you know he wasn't he wasn't you know let's give the ball to miles studio up top and make something well, happen the thing, most shooters billy i mean most shooters have that problem they don't have the ability to drive but He's a freak athlete. He's an athlete. He's seen yeah, his, yeah so that's the, so it's just developing that skill. That, He's yeah, got I, the athleticism yeah. side. And I think that part of his game is there. I think that that part of his game is there. And so I think for Vanderbilt and this team, if he's able to put the ball on the floor more and, and be that kind of maybe number two, number three scorer next year as a guy who has it in his hand, that, that'll make a world of a difference. So uh, Miles Studi, great pick there, Will. He was up there for me, but uh, had to go with QMB. And I like the fact that we, uh, we, we didn't reveal these before we came on because mm -hmm. it, it might to change mine a little bit but uh but let's go let's go to six man of the year and <laughs> this was kind of tough start they, they this, can't this start more than 50 percent of the games they played that's gonna okay. be the I, I, this, this so that drops I, off guys so the guys ineligible for six men of the year we'll go ahead and read those guys off ineligible is scotty pippen jr jordan wright miles studi qmb uh rodney chapman and liam robbins those guys okay. those seven We're, guys are I'm off good. the board I think we, what I, is that? I, six guys are off the board. I, I, I don't think we have the same guy. I got Drew Weikert for this, Will. <laughs> I like that one. 
I'm kidding. I I, uh, I got Tyron Lawrence for this, Will, and I wouldn't be surprised if you have him too. Uh, like I said, it was just tough to pick this guy because I know we didn't uh, we didn't see Liam Robbins in the starting lineup every now and then. We didn't see Q and B. I know they rotated, but I wasn't going to go with either of those guys. And I do feel bad for Liam Robbins. I'm not giving him an award, uh, but maybe we'll create one just for Liam uh, because he was a huge part of this team when he was on the floor as well. But my sixth man of the year is Tyron Lawrence, and this kind you know not really a surprise pick. And it, you know he. He wasn't, he didn't really have much of an impact on this team. I think he did down the stretch in terms of defense and actually scoring a little bit more, uh, but he was recovering from his season ending injury two year, from two years ago. So that was an aspect of, of this season for Tyron Lawrence that I think, you know, some fans might've forgotten about and kind of with his production or lack thereof, uh, but he's one of the better athletes on this team, Will. And you could, you could argue he is the most, uh, the most athletic guy on this team in terms of his versatility, uh, you know, solid shooter. He didn't shoot as much, I think, as, as fans might have wanted him to this year. Uh, but he became unstoppable to his left, Will. This guy this was a common theme that I figured out pretty quickly with him this season. When Tyron Lawrence goes to his left, he's almost unguardable. And when he's got a step on his defender, he's strong enough and long enough and athletic enough to finish over almost anybody going to his left. And I noticed that and it wasn't it wasn't something super noticeable. But I, I noticed that whenever he had the ball and, and got it, you know, at just outside the paint, probably usually on that right wing, going to his left, had a step on his defender. He was able to, to, to score, you know, when he got to his spot. And so I'm looking forward, Will, to ty for Tyron making another jump next season. I don't know if I'd, I'd, you know, it's hard to call this season a jump for him, you know, at least, especially statistically. Uh, but it, the injury was what kind of was what, you know, hindered him a little bit. And he only averaged 15 minutes, four points. But those numbers will increase next season. Like he, he's going to he's going to average more than four points next season, you would hope. Uh, of course, there's going to be a little bit more of a log jam there at the guard position. Uh, but again, with a lot of these guys transferring, you got to believe Tyron's minutes are going to go up. So, no, it's not Drew Weikert, uh, but I do have Tyron Lawrence there as the sixth man of the year. And it's just tough. I mean, I, I kind of picked out of those eligible guys, the the guy that scored the most. I mean, he averaged four I mean, there's really, so. you look at it, you picked the only option. Because yeah. I think that ideally in the, in the mind of Jerry Stackhouse, Trey Thomas was this award winner. I think clearly he was the spark plug off the bench. He played in 32 games this season. He started zero games. If he was the spark plug that he saw inserting into the game and igniting this team when Scottie Pippen Jr. came off the court, being able to draw that defense out, and, and, and it just didn't play out that way. Mm -hmm. He didn't shoot well. And that's yeah. pretty much what that's, Trey that's Thomas That's pretty much what it was does. for Trey Thomas, yeah. I and mean, he, he was he, up there, in, and he was, I believe, in the top – 100 150 in the entire country and players in foul rate on defense so he's fouling the opponent yeah. when he's in there he Just wasn't able of, to guard effectively yeah he is a guy that i'm pretty surprised we have not seen enter the transfer portal and at this I don't know if we will. I don't know what really point, the plans are. At this point I kind of doubt it, you know, just because especially of the with especially with Tyron Lawrence clearly, I mean being that guy that's going to be one of the returning guards, if Scottie Pippen Jr. returns, you know you have sitting there in front of him, you're going to have Noah Shelby. Colin Smith plays that three, even though Trey Thomas is really a backup one or two. Mm -hmm. And you have Lee Dork down there, Malik D. You have Jordan Wright returning, Scotty Pippen Jr. possibly, and you have Tyron Lawrence, and, and you have Miles And you're going to have Stadium. a transfer. You're going to get another yep. transfer guard. There's going to be a transfer coming. It's going to be a guard. And I don't. Yep. I just don't see where he fits in with Noah Shelby now. Because Noah Shelby, I think... 
even if he comes in with Scottie Pippen Jr., then Noah Shelby becomes that guy and yeah. he becomes the knockdown shooter that you're trying to develop for the future. So that's somebody I don't really see how he fits in to the yeah. roster coming in, but obviously Tyra yeah, Lawrence. I, I mean, it, there I really wanted, wasn't any other choice. I, know. I wanted to give it to Trey. I was kind of looking down the line and I was like, I could give it to Trey, but Tyron Lawrence, he did just enough for me this year to, you know, to kind of see that impact that he made down the stretch of the season. He played, he played solid against Dayton and he's a guy will that defensively, when you look at guys on defense, it's hard to notice the impact that they have, but his impact defensively kind of him alongside Rodney Chapman and playing a lot more down the stretch, I think made an impact. I think it made an impact on, on substitutions and, and who we're going to put in and with, with Trey Thomas out, that guy turned into to Tyron Lawrence. So looking forward to seeing what kind of progression he makes next season will, because I, I do think he's a guy with potential and as soon as he got on, on campus, you know, I think we, we saw that from him. The injury, of course, kind of, you know, put, pushed him back a few spots, I think. But uh, next season, well, I, I think I'm expecting, you know, Tyron Morris to, you know, be a, a lot better shooter and be, of course, the same athlete he is and be that lockdown defender. So my sixth man of the year is Tyron Lawrence. I'm not, uh, I'm assuming that's who you picked as well. <laughs> Yeah, we've already gone over that, Billy. Already gone over that. Okay. No, nothing more. <laughs> nothing more. Nothing more on nothing, Tyron Lawrence. Yeah, nothing more on old Tyron. Okay, Tyron. Uh, good luck next season. And uh, newcomer we're gonna, of the year is next. We're gonna we're gonna move on to newcomer of the year. And Will, this was this was tough for me to analyze because I looked at this and I I, I chose between two guys, Rodney Chapman or Liam Robbins, and that's a likely a surprise to no one. Uh, and I went with Rodney Chapman. And because of that, I hope you went with uh, Liam Robbins. We'll see what, what you picked. But, I mean, Hot Rod, he came up so big in, in so many games down the stretch and making shots, making threes that, you know, coming into the year, I don't think we expected him to, to, to be the kind of shooter that he was and proved to be down the stretch. Fourth on this team in scoring, which kind of surprised me a little bit, eight points per game. And, Will, we know, we know the stats. The stats are there. Uh, this team was totally different with Rodney Chapman on the floor. They were a completely different team. He fought through an injury all season long. And I think, Will, honestly, this guy's going to be a great coach someday. Like, he, he, I think he really helped with the chemistry of this team. And down the stretch of this season, you could see that his impact w was strong and that he helped this team win games. He helped them beat Arkansas on the road in the first SEC game of the season, helped him beat Dayton, a team that he, he played for a couple of years ago on some really good, a really good Dayton team. So it was really cool to see him have the type of season he had. Of course, the injury bug hit him and he was fighting through injury, that injury all season long. And we could see it. I mean, it was pretty evident. So for him to actually stick it out and, and play his last season of college basketball was pretty cool to see. Um, and it, it is kind of tough to see him gone next year for, for Vandy fans. But again, he put it all on the line. And it, without Ronnie Chapman, this team does not win 19 games. They, they, they simply don't. They probably don't beat Arkansas. You know, I mean, who knows if they beat some of those SEC teams down the stretch. And even if they beat Dayton, you know, I don't even know if that happens. So, well, my newcomer of the year is Roddy Chapman. Sorry, Liam Robbins. I didn't get you in this uh, in the, uh, the the TDR awards, but I, I went with Roddy Chapman simply because of the big shots he made down the stretch. And, and I mean, well, there's not much else you could say about that guy. I was choosing between the same two people, Billy. I think once again, you had obvious choices there between Liam yeah. Robbins and Rodney Chapman. Unfortunately, I did not do what you were hoping, Damn. and I went with Rodney Chapman as well. And there's one reason, and it's not going to be any statistics. It's not going to be any individual guys. It's going to be clearly when Rodney Chapman 
was on the court and playing, this team went from an average team to a good team. And Liam Robbins is the type of player that I think you go from a good team to a great team with. I think he's going to make plays late in games, like with that block that you saw against Dayton, against really good teams that other guys aren't going to be able to make, and he changes the game. But he's not going to push you from being a mediocre team to being a good team. Rodney Chapman did that. And that plays out in the results when he was on the court. Vanderbilt in the regular season, when he was playing, they lost 72-70 to to South Carolina. And that was him kind of still a little bit. That was his worst game of the year. He only shot one. He only had one shot attempt. He had zero points. He was uninvolved in the game, even though he played 25 minutes. Vanderbilt loses to South Carolina 72 to 70. Other than that, in the regular season, Vanderbilt, when he was playing, when Rodney Chapman was playing, they only lost to once to Kentucky by seven points at Mm -hmm. Kentucky and once to Tennessee by nine points at Tennessee. Other than that, they won every single game. They beat Austin P, Hawaii, BYU, Arkansas, Georgia, LSU, Missouri. And then when you get into postseason play with Rodney Chapman playing, they beat Georgia, they beat Alabama, then they lost by six to Kentucky, they beat <clears throat> Belmont, they beat Dayton, and then, of course, they lost to Xavier. Yep. You compare that to what they were able to do without him, and a lot of their wins, a lot of every single signature win that we're going to talk about when we actually recap down the schedule is Rodney Chapman was playing and he was mm-hmm. on the court and every single big loss almost outside of that one South Carolina game that we're going to discuss as far as losses that changed the season, Rodney Chapman was not playing. Mm-hmm. And so the statistics don't bear out that he had an incredible season. He shot like 38% from the field. He was not incredibly efficient as far as shooting is concerned. He was coming back from that injury. But, the, but he won them games. I don't know what his plus-minus was, but I know what his plus-minus win-loss percentage was, and it was high. This team, let me actually count it out right here as we're on the air. This live math is fun. They were 7-3 and three in the regular season with Rodney Chapman playing. Mm-hmm. And including the postseason, they, had, they were 4-2 and two in postseason play. So they were 11-6 and six with Rodney Chapman. 19 and 16 overall. It's incredible. There you go. That's all yeah, you need to hear. It, it wasn't that's, the case with Liam Robbins on the court. <laughs> Liam Robbins won them the game against Dayton, and he is going to be an incredibly big piece next year. But Rodney Chapman, hats off to you. Incredible that's season. Off. I'm Respect. sorry we didn't get to see you fully with the injury. That sucks. But hats off. Respect. Rodney Chapman. Great well, year in Nashville. Lifting our hats. And, uh, well, it's it's just, you know, it's kind of special to see the season he had. And, you know, it's not like it was a record-breaking season or anything like that. But, it, you know, I think he did what he uh, – obviously, they wanted to get in the tournament, but he was able to do what he wanted to do here. And, you know, he fought through injuries. So credit to Ronnie Chapman and everything he, he was able to do at Vanderbilt. Uh, but, Ro- Liam Robbins, I think you'll be able to get on the award show next year. I really, I really do think that. Uh, but, Will – that's it for the awards, uh, and, and you know we haven't really gotten into. We didn't do an so offensive player and defensive player of the year. I forgot to write down those, but I think we both would have offensive as Scotty Pippen, I, yes. and defensive might be Rodney Chapman or Liam uh, Robbins. I, there, I would, QM, I, would, I would go QMB maybe, but we didn't uh, plan yeah, that one out ahead. We didn't plan it out. I, that's, that's we'll do that one, one next year. Yeah, I might have to go QMB, but we'll, we'll definitely yeah. do that one next year. But uh, well, let's get into you know the overall kind of outlook of this team, where, where this program stands after. After this season, uh, of course, they finished 19 and 17 overall, didn't get to 20 wins. I think that was a threshold that, you know, hey, if they beat Xavier, they're at 20 wins. And that was something that, hey, I don't know if many, many, many people expected this team to get to 20 wins. And uh, they got to 19, 7 and 11, they finished in the SEC. But well, let's let's start with the improvements they made. 
and kind of a, a bullet point aspect of this. And I laid out three different bullet points here. I said, number one, this team learned how to win. They, they learned how to win games. And of course, a lot of them, they let slip away. We, we saw that happen as well. But I think from a broad, you know, broad aspect point of view, this team learned how to win. And, you know, we talk about program wins. You saw a lot of those. I think the LSU win at home was a program win. The, the two home games in the NIT, Belmont, tough team to beat. They beat them at home in the NIT behind that crowd. And you also saw the Dayton game. The same thing happened there. So this team learned how to win, Will. And that that's my first bullet point there. And also, for me, number two, this team, I mean, we, we knew they were going to be a tough, gritty team. But I think they took it to another level in their toughness and their grit and their physicality. I mean, this, this was a physical team, Will. Nobody wanted to play this team down the stretch. And Coach Calipari said it. Coach Nate Oates said it. They both said after, after, uh, after those SEC tournament games that Vanderbilt's playing as good as anybody in the country right now. And they were kind of on that threshold at that point as, as a bubble team. Like, they, they were a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. Of course, they, they, were, they did not make it. But I think they were there. I think they should have been in the discussion. Now, that Kentucky win would have done a lot. And, of course, winning the SEC tournament would have put them in. But they, they were right there. They, they, they were, they were the close. The Kentucky and, win would have put them in the comp. Like, that would have put them legitimately in the conversation. So yes. They were actually at a point where they had one game, this team this season, had one game that they lost by six points and led a good amount of. And that one game would have put them in a legitimate conversation for the NCAA tournament that yeah. I think likely they would have been or should have been in. And just that from where we were after that VCU loss or after the Temple loss early in the season and at the end of last season, I think that in and of itself is, and even where we were help eight games before nine games before the end of the season, this stretch and run they went on Billy. I mean, no, it's, it's you're incredible. running through your points. I thought we were going to go back and no, forth. one to one two It's incredible improvement. Will. but my last point here was, was coach Stackhouse and, and his improvement as a coach. I mean, the, the, he just looked like a totally different, you know, obviously he's the same guy, but it just like looked like he just, the, the aura about him and, and the confidence that, that, that he had and kind of some of those older players that, that he had brought in and Chapman and, and as a coach on the floor and also will credit to Ed Conroy and Michael Curry, who I think helped a lot. And who brought those guys in coach Stackhouse. He was smart enough. He was, you know, it, th those were great hires. Those were great hires, and it kind of elevated this program to a level that they hadn't been in a while. And so those are kind of my three will. Uh, you know, they learned how to win. Of course, they elevated their toughness and credit to the assistant coaches. The assistant coaches that Stackhouse was able to bring in, I think those are kind of some of my three. There's a lot of improvements this team made, uh, but for me, that those are, those are some of the keys I look at and saying, okay, this is where this team improved because they were a very different team than they were the last two and even in year one uh, under Coach Stack. Yeah, I don't have my list of three written down. I didn't know we were doing three, but I've got them in my head that I think I'll go with. And I know what oh, number yeah. one is right off the bat. And it's just going to be overall defense. And it's going to be over, overall defensive discipline just from Scottie Pippen Jr. to Miles Studi to QMB. Every single player on this team played better defensively this season. And bringing in Rodney Chapman helped with that a lot. But just going into just the defensive stats and, and what they were able to do. This team last season was 174th in the country in three-point percentage defense. This season, 
They were 29th in the country. Team shot 30% against them from mm -hmm. three as I have a train coming by in the middle of go. my point number one. So, uh, Billy, go ahead and uh, well, take uh, it here and, we'll, we'll and just, see what you think about that defensive improvement. That defensive improvement, man, that was awesome. I mean, the, the defensive improvement that Vanderbilt made, uh, you know, we, they were a good defensive team, Will, but this season it, it looked as if the, the team defense was a lot better. I mean, the, the, obviously the one-on-one -on -one defense was there, but if as a team their defense was there as the train as the train is uh, is gone here we go that defensive improvement was awesome yeah yeah it was Billy. it was awesome to see uh, the three point percentage defense like I, like i just said their two point percentage defense last season they were 278th in the country last year this year they still weren't great but they were 216th they improved slightly liam robbins coming back late in the year improved that a lot because a they lot. didn't have Taryn Frank and Jermaine Mann trying to play that five position completely yeah. undersized. So they were able to actually protect the paint. And then you just look at overall defensive efficiency, the, their overall rating. They were 40th in the country in adjusted defense, <laughs> defensive efficiency, 40th last season. They were 136th. So right there, just wow. off the bat, that was what improved so dramatically about this team. The offense actually, either went backwards or remained about the same. But last season, that wasn't really the problem. Even though the scoring droughts felt like they were the problem, the scoring consistency, that is a problem. That's something that need, needs to be improved. It was the defense is what is is what changed from last season to this season. Mm -hmm. And allows you to go from single-digit wins to almost hitting that 20-digit yeah. or uh, 21 mark there. And, Will, there wasn't really anybody on this team that was a defensive liability other than, I think, Trey Thomas. I love Trey Thomas. I love the guy. Uh, but, you know, it kind of seemed like any time he was in, the other team was, was kind of trying to take advantage of him. But everyone else, Will, they matched up. I mean, like th this team matched up with, with with most other teams in the country that they played. So that was kind of improvement. I think you saw when QMB was in there last season, you know, he was kind of that liability where he's not as athletic. But now when you had a guy like Liam, Bro Liam Robbins who could come in and sub for him and give him rest, that turned that helped Quentin Melora Brown more than anybody else. So you start you started to see some of that that improvement defensively, but also simply the matchups. I mean, this team really began to match up with every team and, and they matched the other team's physicality as well. Like this team, they, they weren't backing down from anybody. You know, we talk about that dog mentality all the time, Will. Uh, that's another point I'll make. I mean, th th this they turned into kind of that dog mentality type of team where if they need to stop, they're going to go get it. And then they're going to go down and get a bucket. So uh, th that's kind of, those were kind of some of the defensive improvements um, that I saw. And, and Will, there's also areas to work on. And there, there's there's plenty of those. As as much as they improved, there's also areas to work on. So let's get to those. Will I have three? You know, small. Here, we'll go one to we'll go back Let, and forth. I've got, go, I've got plenty of these. Let's go back and forth here. My first bullet point here is simply put consistency, um, and, and this is overall offensively, defensively, and kind of the scoring droughts. You know, are 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 jumbled in there with that, but. There were times in games, Will, where even in some of the wins where they struggled with, all right, where's this team going? You know, Scotty Pippen's out. Where's the consistency? You know, you didn't see that last season, this past season at all. And you haven't seen it under Stackhouse where Pippen's out. Where do they go? Where's that consistency? Where, where's the second score? I think you started to see that down the stretch with, you know, with a guy like Jordan Wright starting to come into his own. But where's everybody else? You know, there's, there, there were only, it was really only Pippen and Wright 
that were those two go-to scores. You saw Studi, who was a guy that they drew up plays for, and, and Trey Thomas, but off the bounce, it was really only Pippen and Wright, and Chapman wasn't really a guy that was a scorer off the bounce. He was a guy that would usually pass off the bounce. So for me, Will, overall consistency, I know that's really vague, but in this day and age in college basketball, if, if you can't find consistency at, at the level, especially in this conference and the SEC, from both offensively and defensively. I thought they had solid defensive consistency, but this is more offensively, Will. We still saw a lot of those scoring droughts that we talked about all season long and all season long last season and even two, three years ago. And so I think next season, Will, that's something with this team. Hey, for Stack, let's try to stay consistent. Well, you know, it's Pippen goes out, Noah Shelby, Colin Smith, let's, let's do what we can to pick up that slack. And that kind of goes along the lines of consistency. So for me, well, that's it for me. Number one is consistency in, in, in the areas this team needs to improve on. I mean, that, that pretty much goes along with mine, which is going to be number one is shooting. And a lot of that has to do with the roster and, and whatever. There's, there's, there's not a lot you can do about it when you're kind of hamstrung from rebuilding from scratch with the roster. You don't really have shooters on the roster. Your second best shooter it, in percentage-wise from the three-point line that shot enough was Jordan Wright. And I don't think that you would say he's a shooter even by trade mm-hmm. outside of Miles Studi. You just didn't have it. You you did not have it on the roster. And next season, you're going to have to find somebody that can knock down shots consistently outside of Miles Studi. Hopefully that can be Noah Shelby. I have very high expectations for him coming in as a freshman. But just shooting. This team from the free throw line, from, the, from inside the arc, from outside the arc, this team was 348th in NCAA Division One, in two-point shots attempted as a percentage of their overall field Goodness goal Goodness gracious. They were that's, 56th that's in points distribution as far as three points, three-point okay, shots accounting okay. for their shots. So what that I'm getting at is this, right team, this team lived and died by the three. They had no consistent presence inside the paint scoring the ball, even though QMB did a good job of his role. He's definitely not a guy that you say is a scoring option or a scorer by any stretch of the imagination. So somebody besides Scottie Pippen Jr. next year is going to have to be a highly used guy that's a go-to scorer because even if Scottie Pippen Jr. comes back, if this team wants to take a step forward, it can't be all him. You saw the gas run out at the end of the season and you just don't win games with guys having to play hero ball. You don't win them consistently. You'll win one, you'll win two, you'll win three every now and then. Scottie Pippen Jr. will hit the amazing shot or make the play. But more time, more often than not, you're not going to win playing that style of basketball. So just shooting and honestly just offensive production spreading out. And that goes into shooting. Just overall being able to not have Scottie Pippen Jr. being in the top 10 of usage rate in the entire country. And if he's not coming back, then, man, you're going to see a huge change in, in oh, what this yeah. team does offensively oh. because you're not going to be focused on one player. It's going to be completely spread out. Oh, it's going to be very different. And, and that's why we're going to continue to monitor uh, Mr. Pippen there and the, uh, the, the uh, Scotty Pippen tracker. We'll see, we'll see how well that goes. But, Will, for me, my, my second point goes is very similar to your first. It's simply put, more scoring options. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious, but – I mean, Scotty Pippen Jr. was really the only scoring option for this team a, a good majority of the season. And I say scoring option. Yes, I know other guys scored and you saw other guys score in the 20 point range. But the only guy that really came close to that was Jordan Wright down the stretch. And but you need more than that. <laughs> like you're going to need more than just Pippen and Wright, especially in the SEC. 
And so, you know, this is this obviously depends on if Pippen comes back next season, but the freshman will obviously help. Noah Shelby is a scorer. Colin Smith is a guy that's, that's will score the basketball. Like Lee Dort will score in the paint. Now, who knows how much of that they'll be doing next season, but that's what they do. That, 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 that is what these guys will bring, and that's what you look for if you're Coach Stackhouse. And, well, there's a lot of pressure on those guys. And we'll talk about the freshmen, but there's going to be some pressure on those freshmen because you got three, three of them coming in that I think Stack expects to play a decent amount. Malik Dia, we'll, we'll see what kind of role he has, but – you know, I got to believe he's a little bit more of a project, I think, for this team. So, well, for me, it's more scoring options. And it's very similar to obviously shooting, getting more shooters. Um, but and I hate saying this, Will, but losing guys like Taryn Frank and Max Adelman, who is a non-scholarship player, Jermaine Mann and Shane Dizoni, I think helps that. I, I, I feel like a terrible person saying that. But I think guys like that were, you know, they're simply defensive guys, Jermaine Mann and Taryn Frank. I think Shane Dizoni, he was one guy that was kind of confused about him leaving. But I, I think that does help this team in terms of clearing out space for scorers because that's what they need. They need guys that put the ball in the basket. And I know it's it's that's it's pretty, pretty freaking broad, but I'm going with more scoring options and we'll see if they get it next year. We'll see. I think on paper they're going to, but it's you still got to do it. You still got to go out there and do it. So that's uh, uh, pretty similar to shooting, but I just put more scoring options for my second one there. Yeah, I used as my only thing that I only got to do one thing that was what was done well and improved so much in, in the season, that was defense. So my improvement things are going to be a lot on the offensive side of the ball mm -hmm. and why I didn't want to mention free throw shooting percentage in my point one was point two, which is should probably be point one is free throw shooting percentage. That's free something throws, every throws, single player, every single player on this team needs to increase their percentage by 10% going into next season, whoever comes back. This team's similar to how they shot three point per, three pointers. So we just said that this team in their points distribution was 348th in the country in points they actually got off of two-point shots. So their actual shot distribution, this team shot 45.6% of their overall field goal attempts were three-point shots. They shot, that the average is 37.7, 37.7 three-point shot per 100 three-point attempts or per field goal, whatever. I don't know how it is, but they're Damn. 27th in the country. So these deep analytical stats, I don't know exactly, but they're 27th in the country in three-point shots attempted. Compare that to being 161st in the country in three-point shooting percentage. Same thing in free throws. That's why I wanted them points one and two, is if that's going to be your style of play to drive to the basket and get fouls or kick and shoot threes, that's a great style of play. I love it. But you damn well better shoot a better percentage than they're shooting because from the free throw line, they're 247th in the country. They're shooting under 70% as a team. But their free throw attempts compared to their field goal attempts are 11th in the country. So right there, it's another thing. You are not going to be a winning team when your style of basketball is drive to the basket, get fouled, go to the free throw line, A, B, kick out for a three. And you are bottom half, your bottom 100 in free throw mm -hmm. shooting percentage, and you're about half middle of the pack in three-point shooting percentage. That's just not going to add up to wins. And this season, you saw the shooting improve late. There were games where they were able to knock, the, knock those shots down consistently. LSU, you saw that Rodney Chapman, X-Factor. But just shooting. I mean, I, I know that sounds simple, but it's not simple. It's what every yeah. team in college basketball is looking for. And next season, that's going to come down to it. If they can find guys that can knock down shots, 
this team's an NCAA tournament team. Yep. If they don't find consistent shooters, they're not. And that's going to be the entire offseason we'll talk about it. The entire yep. season we'll talk about it. We'll be sitting here doing the recap saying the same thing next year exactly. Hopefully – uh, a little yeah, bit more positive, and maybe a little later, but doing it about the same time, saying the same things. Yeah, I mean, if we're still talking about free throws next season, that's not a good sign. We will at all. be. That's that's uh, that's not a good sign. And we were talking about it way too much this season. Free throws absolutely murdered this team. It almost cost them the Dayton game, and it did end up costing them the Xavier game. So credit to you, Will. You said it's going to come down to free throws against Xavier, and it did. They lost by two. They missed two free th- two free throws late. They missed, uh, of course, more than two throughout the game. But the two free throws you missed huge, you lost by two. So free throws were massive for this team. And well, one more I have here for Ayers to work on. No, I, and this is this is obviously it's tough to say because every you know they had this team had athletes, but I still think this team needs more athletes. They need more athleticism. And you know, obviously, you can develop guys into being athletes. But I think this this lies in Coach Stackhouse and recruiting, like bring, bringing in guys that are athletes. You know, I think a guy like Jermaine Mann was an athlete, but he's not a scoring athlete. He's not a guy that's going to rise above the rim and go up and catch a lob and dunk on somebody. I mean, we saw him dunking a couple times, but you didn't see that Dylan DeSue type of athlete that Vanderbilt needed desperately. And he was over there in Austin, Texas, averaging about five a game. And I think he would have loved to be on this Vanderbilt team. So, well, for me, the last point is athleticism. And they're getting it with Colin Smith, who is a stud athlete. Noah Shelby is is an athlete. Lee Dort is an athlete. I mean, a guy that you can compare to Festus Ezeli eventually down the road, maybe. Even a guy like the impact that Oscar Sheepway made at Kentucky. I mean, that that's the kind of player Lee Dort is and the, and the kind of potential that he has. So for me, Will, it's athleticism and bringing athletes in. You saw some athletes on this team. Pippen is an athlete. Studi's an athlete. But they didn't really have that above-the-rim dude that's going to go up there and change the game with one dunk. I mean, those are hard to find. They didn't have enough of them, yeah. especially. And those are incredibly hard to find. There's not many teams with with multiple of those kind of guys. But I think for this team to take the next step and elevate their game and and reach that middle tier slash top tier of the SEC, they need those dudes. They need them. And so I think they're going to get them next year. And it depends on, say, they get another transfer athletic guy. That's going to help as well. So for me, Will, I look at the athletes and I don't – you saw certain times this year where Vanderbilt was out athleted, I think maybe against Kentucky, but not much like this team was, it was, they weren't really out athleted many times this year. It was simply either free throws collapses down the stretch. This team was in the game. Like they, they man for man, they competed and they were right there with every team they played. I mean, I know they had, there, there wasn't really a blowout this year. That, that, that was another thing we looked at, you know, and I don't think we've talked about much. You had the Florida was, game. The Florida game was one, but other than that, I mean, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't much at all. So that, that's kind of another thing you look at with this team. They were in those games. And other than that Florida game, they weren't really blown out. And I think athletes helped that. So athleticism was my last bullet point there, Will, for, for areas for this team to improve. And I think that, like, Tyron Lawrence is an athlete. I think his athleticism can be continued to be developed. Uh, but, again, this is also with recruiting and bringing those guys in uh, because it makes the world a difference. And I think that's what Stackhouse wants to do. He wants to bring in those athletes. And it starts with this recruiting class, and, and they're going to get it. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see how athletic these guys are next year. Yeah, the, the athletes that Vanderbilt had on the court in Stackhouse's first season are almost in – 
outside of Aaron Neesmith and that, but overall consistency, because they this is what you're getting at, Billy, I think, is they have athletes at the top. They've got Scotty Pippen Jr. is a great athlete. Tyron Lawrence is a great athlete. Jordan Wright's a great, a, a good athlete, really good athlete. But it's just Kentucky has 13, even mid-level SEC teams, even team, not mid-level, but good SEC teams like Arkansas or LSU. They just have those guys in droves, just the guys that can are, look like they have pogo sticks as legs. Yep. And really even Vanderbilt's athletic guys outside of Tyron Lawrence really aren't that. And next year, I didn't have that written down just because next year, I think Colin Smith and Lee Dort will address that problem a little yeah. bit. And Malik D is an athlete as well. So I think that is going to be a little bit addressed and improved, but that just takes time uh, yeah. from where they yeah. were. So my improvement, my number three thing going into next season is just stack in general. And you hit on it, and which is why I didn't bring it up in the improvements from this season. He improved tremendously. Uh, from from last season to this season I think the jump he made was way bigger from season two to season three than it was from season one to season two his demeanor on the sideline just working referees and kind of knowing when to blow up and knowing when to kind of pull back he had a couple instances, instances but every he, coach he got teed up a couple times was he did couple? but that's fine I, I'm yeah. fine with tease in certain moments I think ejected? there are times did, that, he, did he ever get ejected he did in two uh, not this season but the other yeah yeah yeah, but last last season he did but yes i'd say that's an improvement well i don't even think that's not even as much what i'm getting at. i don't care about that i think at times i think technicals from coaches in the right moment actually alter how the referee calls the game i i think that that is one of the most underutilized things is coaches if you are just in the ear of a referee and you have to know how to work it and i think he's figuring it out but coaches being in the ear of a referee get calls. And that is part of the reason the SEC is so good at home. It's not just SEC referees. It's not just the crowds and everything. The coaches in the SEC are really damn good at working the referees. Mm -hmm. John Calipari is a master at working the referees. You watch him on the sideline. He is talking to the referee from the opening tip of the game to the end of the game. He's talking to him, telling him things, saying things, just in their ear, in their ear, in their ear. You'll see him get technicals. But where I saw the improvement from Stack was, A, the rotations. Yes, I have issues with the rotation. When you look at actual lineups used and percentage-wise, it's you could see him adjusting at the end of the season. But where I want to see him improve is timeout usage, which I think we both want to see that. There are times that runs are happening by the opposing team, and that hits on your point one, which is consistency, is Stack has to know when to use that timeout and mm-hmm. when it's time to kill the momentum of the other team. And there are times that that timeout at the end of the game is very, very, very valuable. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit more valuable in the first half at the eight-minute mark when a team has just gone on a 12 to nothing run. Yeah. Burn that timeout, use it. I think that's where he can improve there. And it's also getting the ball in the hands, in the hot hand and getting the ball to your shooters and drawing up plays for the right guys that the percentages bear out. Because I think at times he adjusted late in the season, he was playing Studi more. But Miles Studi was criminally underutilized during the season. And anyone that watched this game, he should have been shooting between five to ten threes minimum a game, every single game, because he had the ability to change a game with one made shot, he could get hot and bury three or four. He is what Coach Jerry Stackhouse wanted Trey Thomas to be. And unfortunately for him, his his Allen Iverson has not necessarily worked out with Trey Thomas shooting thirty three point six percent from mm-hmm. the three point line this season. But you have that in six foot seven Miles Studi, so utilize him. Don't utilize him on the same level as Gabe Dorsey and Shane Dizoni on the offensive end. He is a weapon. So stack. There's going to be other guys on this roster. The freshmen coming in. 
get the ball in the hands of your weapons. I like what he does getting Pippen very in a very high usage rate because you have to do that. I like yeah. what he does getting guys. I like his ability to draw up plays to get guys open shots is what has improved. Now it's getting the right guys the open shots that I think he needs to work on. So next season, getting the right guys the open shots because I think X's and O's wise, it's hard to argue. Stack did an incredible job drawing up set plays in an offense to make to get these guys open oh, looks. No so sometimes, doubt. man, they just he they just didn't hit them. Yeah, I mean that's what it came down to a lot. I mean SEC coaches around the league, around the country, coaches around the country, they they know Stack knows what he's doing with the X's and O's as inbounds plays. Of course, that you saw some side inbounds that were dirty. Um, so, well, yeah, my my consistency bullet point goes right with Stackhouse as well. You know, not just the team and the players offensively and defensively, but also consistency from Stack and 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 the, and the other coaches, the assistants on on this team. So. Uh, that's it for improvement and areas to work on uh, for this team uh, you know, after this season and for this program and where they're at. But, Will, let's talk about the outlook for next season as a whole. I mean, we're there. That, 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 that's, those are the talking points right now. And as of right now, Will, four guys have entered the transfer portal. One of them is a non-scholarship player, so it doesn't make all that much of an impact. Max Adelman uh, decided to enter the transfer portal. But Jermaine Mann, Taryn Frank, and Shane Dizoni are out the door. You also saw Peyton Daniels early on in the season, of course, uh, hit the transfer portal, but also gone from the from this year's team, Ronnie Chapman and Drew Weikert. So right there, Will, that's six guys that are all, that are no longer on the team after this season. And so with four guys in the portal, two guys graduating, Vanderbilt has eight players under scholarship next year. That's including Scottie Pippen Jr. That's if he returns. So eight guys under scholarship, you know, I mean, how, how much I'm not how much room that leaves for anyone else. Who knows right now there could have another transfer, uh, but you got to believe they're going to get a transfer point guard in or a shooting guard, whoever that is. So at the, at the same time, Will, it's, it's. Remember know, to uh, say for everybody out there, I was muted, but remember yeah. to say that there's also the four guys coming in. So there's four yeah, scholarships right. as well on top of that eight, including SPJ. Yeah. I don't just, just, just to make sure so that's 12. There's 13 scholarships available to division one NCAA men's college yes. basketball programs. So yeah. just to set the, set the playing field there, there's 13 available, eight, including Scotty Pippen Jr. Returning four coming in, in the class. Boom. Almost, almost, almost forgot about Set the freshman. The almost forgot yeah. about the freshman there. But uh, Will, so you're going to have a transfer, likely one more, maybe two more. Of course, Chapman's gone, but I don't expect anyone else to leave. Like I, you know, maybe one more guy transfers. If you know, I, I don't know. But at this point, where this team is right now, four freshmen coming in. If Scottie Pippen Jr. comes back, this is a tournament team. If Scottie Pippen Jr. doesn't come back, I don't feel very confident saying that. I, 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 now, I, this my mind could be changed next season if I look at those freshmen and I see the impact they make and can make and see some of the jumps that these guys make. But the pitch from Stackhouse right now, Will, for Pippen is come back, let's make the tournament and make a run. That, that's what it is. And, you know, it's the same pitch for, for Jordan Wright, of course, in his development. Same pitch for Trey, Tom, for Trey Thomas, Tyron Lawrence, all those guys, Miles Studi. Um, but for this team, well, I think Pippen on this team next season, they are no doubt in my mind, a thousand percent a tournament team. But if he's not there, it becomes a lot tougher to say that. And I'm not saying they're not. They're definitely not without him. But without Scottie Pippen, it just makes it a lot harder because he's, he's their guy. He's he's their guy. Jordan Wright, I think, has the capability to become that guy on the Scottie Pippen level. It's going to depend on a lot of his development. But 
outlook for next season. Well, what are we thinking? What are we feeling? Is this is this all depending on if if Pippen comes back for you? Because I think for me right now it is. Now my mind could quickly be changed with a lot of those freshmen that are coming in. But for me right now, with Pippen, their tournament team, without, I don't think so. So that that's where I'm at right now, Will. Right now. I could this my mind could be changed. I think at the beginning of next season, looking at those freshmen. But I do think the expectation next year, no matter what, should be the tournament, even without Scottie Pippen Jr. I think that's what it should be. Year four for an SEC coach, you should be in the tournament. I, I, I just, I, no matter what. Now, I think you have seen, you've seen guys, where, whether it's their fifth year, their sixth year, they're making the tournament. But more often than not, in the SEC, most coaches, if they're not in the tournament their fourth year, especially their fifth year, they're getting canned. They, they just are. Now, I think Vanderbilt, they've always been a different story, but I think as an overall expectation, that, that should be their goal next season, tournament team, whether Scottie Pippen Jr. comes back or not. But if he is back, they're a tournament team. If not, there's something wrong. There's a lot wrong <laughs> if, if they're not. So that's where I'm at with this team, Will, right now, and kind of the outlook. There, there's still a lot to happen. They're going to look different, but that's where I'm at with this team right now, and this program. The entire outlook and expectation of next year is completely shaped by Scottie Pippen Jr. You go from very different expectations. If Scottie Pippen Jr. comes back with this class coming in, even as true freshmen, you say this is a tournament or bust team. You will completely judge Jerry Stackhouse based on making or not making the NCAA tournament. If Scottie Pippen Jr. does not come back, then I think you do have the goal of the NCAA tournament, but really the expectation of that season is at a minimum, just be where you were, be an NIT team, mm -hmm. be it be in that, in the talk maybe late in the season of having one or two games that will make or break you. But with true freshmen, the year of experience of them being the complete focus of that offense, if Scottie Pippen Jr. does not come back, then year five is NCAA tournament or bust with those guys. Now, freshmen can come in and be phenoms. You see it all the time at Kentucky. You saw it with a brief stint of Darius Garland. But more often than not, that does not happen. And guys come in, and the speed of the game takes them a little bit of time to adjust to. Even if they are incredible, they still don't come out and just immediately dominate the game. So mm -hmm. without Scottie Pippen Jr., yes, is the expectation to be a good team in the SEC, be very competitive, and maybe the end goal be the NCAA tournament, depending on how these true freshmen work out? Yes. But with Scottie Pippen Jr., it adds a ton of pressure onto this next season. Ooh. If you have him coming back for year four with the roster around him, you immediately go from being maybe you can play your way into a fringe bubble team to you're likely a top 25 team to start out next season. And if you're not a top 25 team to start out next season, two or three wins to start out the year, and you will be and you will have a lot of eyes for the first time on Vanderbilt basketball. So you're getting me excited here, Billy. Oh, here but we go. I, I here think we go. right now, right now, if you had to go, if I had to place odds on if Scotty Pippen Jr. was returning or leaving, 100%, I would be placing my money on returning. I, I don't see him leaving. He seems to be kind of a calculated, take his time decision maker, weighing the odds. That's what he did last year. He seems to not be this flamboyant fly by the seat of his pants guy you can see how he plays basketball he just not he's not extremely emotional in the court and that seems to be the way that he made the decision last year to come back to school and play and so i think he will make the same decision this year because his draft stock billy has not improved if anything it's gotten worse so there is if his decision last year was based on where he was on the draft boards unless something changes in the next two three four weeks 
I don't see any way that that you're, NBA draft scouts are going to be giving him a first round grade. Well, you're starting to change I, my mind. I've been this, saying so. it from the beginning. It, the the entire decision for him was never based on he has to get out of here and make money. The decision was made to was made on what is going to set him up in the best spot for success in the NBA once he gets there. How does he get there and get in the best possible place to be on an NBA roster and be on the court? And that's staying. He is not, he's going to be bouncing around the G league next season as a second round pick, maybe get a few 10 to 14 day contracts, but it's just not going to be an easy road. It's going to be kind of what has happened. Best case scenario. It's going to be what has happened with Kenyon Martin jr. That, that he's actually playing a few minutes now and then oh, I believe, the, for the, the Rockets. former Vandy commit, the former Vandy commit and Scotty Pippen jr's class. So I don't think that's what he wants. And he'll be in a little bit better of a position than Kenyon Martin jr. Was with the name recognition and everything that he has of, of his play at Vanderbilt. But I don't think a year of age is going to make a difference. And I think what Scotty Pippen jr, what he's going to be able to show on the court and on film and improve on and really just completely focus on improving that NBA draft stock because the entire game, the entire win or loss is not going to be on his shoulders next year because you have other guys coming in that can score the yep. damn ball, Billy. I keep saying it, but Vanderbilt fans, I, I don't know if you've watched film of this class of, of, of Lee Dort and Noah Shelby and Colin Smith. Vanderbilt has not had these kind of guys since the 2012 team. They just haven't. Yep. And and this is a whole different level of skill and talent that is coming in as a true freshman than Vanderbilt has seen since I don't even point to the Darius Garland class because they were all injured and weren't able to yeah. stay healthy. We weren't able to see what they could do. And they were coming onto a much more depleted roster to begin with. And Noah uh, Colin Shelby, Smith Noah is Shelby a sleeper. Is injured because of course he is. Yes, because well, of course be, he is. But I'm telling this Colin Smith, Colin Smith is going to be the guy that has, it's how I said Aaron Neesmith was going to be eventually, and I didn't anticipate the injury part of it, but eventually that Aaron Neesmith was going to be the guy that would be remembered as the most impactful player of that class. I could be very, very wrong. I see that as Colin Smith. He is a, a whole game changer type of player here mm-hmm. that really, even on those great championship teams, Vanderbilt has not had that small forward at six foot seven that has the jumper, has the ability to drive, has the athleticism. He has all the tools on the offensive end of the court. And that's just what Vanderbilt hasn't had in recent years. Even their guys at that small forward position that were really, really good back in the day. You talk about Jeff Taylor. I mean, I wouldn't Mm -hmm. say that he was a beautiful offensive game. He developed it and worked on it. He was a driver and an athlete, but he wasn't just yeah. a natural offensive score. So Colin Smith next season, look up some highlights. Noah Shelby, hell of a shooter. Lee Dort, mm-hmm. Oscar Sheboy, Cologne. Him and Noah yep. Shelby have grown up together, played together. Malik Dia, he's a project. Get excited. I'm get telling excited. you, get excited. When you, list, they, when you look at this roster, especially with Scottie Pippen Jr., I think when we typed it out, Billy, it's hard not to get excited. It is. And, well, the good news for Vanderbilt fans with these guys, I think they are three- to four-year players. I really, I believe so. I think, you know, maybe Noah Shelby, it just, just electrifies college basketball leaves after two years. But I think the good news is these are program guys. These are guys that Stackhouse will continue to build his program with. And I think most of them are three to four year guys that'll be here for a while. The difference is these are high four star, low five star guys. What Bryce Drew brought in with Simi Shitu and Darius Garland were the top 10 players in the country that are one and done guys. These guys are very high recruits, but they're not even coming in with that expectation of one and done. 
that's the difference that that's a little it's the difference in the number 60 player in the country and the number 12 it's yeah it's a huge difference in expectation coming in so you're hitting on a great point there i think i think down the road too will those four guys those are probably going to be four of your five starters at some point down the road like uh, realistically i mean especially three Definitely yeah, three. Definitely props, three. I think Malik, I think Malik did. There's some potential there as well. He's just a project. You just, yeah. you, I mean, he could come, he could be an incredible player. He could never see the court and just not really like a GK Obina and just never really develop and work out. But he's, he's a three-star yeah. flyer. I mean, he's yeah. got potential. He's got five-star potential and yeah. one-star potential. And that's, that's why Stack is intrigued by him. And there's also more local kids that Stackhouse should go after and should be able mm-hmm. to get. There's a kid at Good Pasture, Isaiah West, who I think could be their one, their first commit in the 2023 class could be. It's so, also a pretty good player out there at Lebanon High School that they didn't, yeah, there's a uh, lot haven't really of, gone after. There's a lot, lot of good players in the mid-state that Stackhouse could continue to target, but will. That's a that's a beefy episode right there. Talk about beef. We we did it. We uh we gave our awards out. I talked about the improvement areas to work on, the outlook for next season. But that's it. Well, it's it's on to baseball, and we've got a pretty damn good big series to talk about this weekend, Vandy and Tennessee. That I think there's going to be a lot of interest in the mid state in. So uh, that's what Vandy fans can huge stay tuned series. for. Huge, huge series. Uh, we're going to lay off a big T. We'll talk some trash probably to him on Twitter, but uh, we'll give him a rest to join at the door port. But that'll do it here, Will, for uh, episode 155 of the door port, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors.